All right, everybody doing okay? Everybody good? Anybody thankful? Hopefully it's more than that thankful, right? Man, hopefully uh, it's been a, you had a great Thanksgiving weekend and uh, you're thankful to the point of overflowing. And uh, I hope it was uh, just great time with family, uh, great connection, maybe even some reconnection for some of you. And uh, hopefully you approached it with the right attitude, right? That you are thankful because a lot of times you can get anxious, you can get worried, you can begin to kind of get all wound up and you can make it worse than it ever had to be because of what you bring to the table, right? So that goes back to a heart issue. So hopefully you did a little heart uh, business with God and you did not do that. But if you did, you know what? God offers forgiveness, right? And uh, he can redeem that. So if you're joining us online, we're glad you're joining us in that way. And hopefully uh, God is going to minister to you today through this message because we're talking about the church today. And even though, you know, we've got people that are home watching. We were, uh, we had a, met with a family yesterday who was at home and they were talking about what it means to them to be able to be a part of the services, even online. Uh, they're just going through a tough season right now. And so it's cool to be able to, for the church to minister in that way. So today we're talking about being thankful and, uh, you know, thankful is a choice. Uh, you know, we know that, but we don't always choose that, Right. And so we're to, we're to make a choice. We can choose to be thankful, be grateful. Like this past week, I don't know if anybody else noticed it, but the leaves have been on fire. You know what I'm saying? They were. They're gone now. The, the rain just took them all down. But I was just so thankful for the beauty in the color of the leaves. I mean, there was incredible, you know, just reds and yellows and everything and just beautiful colors. And then I'm thankful for the rain that just hit last night, right? That, that literally knocked those leaves to the ground, brings uh, moisture and nutrients to the ground. And, uh, you know, and so God just continues to bless us with little things. And sometimes we fail to take the time to give thanks for those things. Yesterday, I got to go hunting with my, my, my two, uh, two of my sons and, and a friend. And there was just this incredible sunrise that was coming up. And being able to enjoy that with them was kind of a cool moment. And so I give thanks for that, right? And so what we do is we have to sometimes be intentional where we choose things to be thankful for. And uh, we have to say, you know, God, I'm, I'm thankful. Those songs that we just got through singing, man, I'm thankful that we have a God that loves us, right? That has redeemed us. And man, that man, he gets us through anything and everything. He walks with us. And most of the time he's toting us through things, but being thankful. So it's a choice. And so one of the things we're talking about today is being thankful for the church. And uh, people aren't always thankful for the church. And so I want us to kind of unpack what that means today. Uh, because some people have different views of what the church is. Some people are wounded by church. You can get hurt at church as quick as you can get hurt anywhere. Because, you know, people can be mean, right? They can be mean-spirited. They can be selfish, self-absorbed. And they can make it about them. It's their agenda. And, and they're just, there's broken people. And hurt people hurt people, right? I mean, it's like a wounded animal, man. I mean, you know, my, I, Sadie is my dog. I love Sadie. But if she's hurt and I touch the wrong place, she's probably going to bite me. That's just the way it is. She's a dog, too. She's an animal, right? I love her. She's not a human being. I know some of y'all have got that mixed up, but she is a dog. But I love her, and uh, she is part of our family, but she is an animal. She is a dog. And so, so anyway, so one of the things that I've learned is that we have, and I see some of y'all looking at each other like, he's not right. I don't believe that. And I'm just telling you, you're wrong, and I'm just telling you, it's okay. So uh, you got to forgive me. But anyway, so I'm thankful for the church. And we oftentimes, I think, need to know what the church is. A lot of people grow up thinking it's a building, right? Or they think it's, uh, you know, it's just something that, you know, you just go to. And it doesn't necessarily have to have a fancy building. It could be a small building or a big building. So I want us to talk about what is the church. Let's just, just unpack that today. What is the church? Because I think many of us growing up, even as a kid, you know, when I would think church, I thought of a building, a white building uh, at a little small town there in Wagerville, Alabama. That was the church to me. And, uh, and I didn't know any better. Uh, I just thought that was the church. And, and so for me, as, as a believer, I begin to understand what the church really is. So the word church is a translation of the Greek word ekklesia, which is defined as an assembly 
are called out ones. It doesn't say anything about a building. It talks about an assembly of people, right? Of believers coming together or called out ones, you know? And so scripture tells us that we're to be called out. We're to be set apart. We're to be God's holy people. And so the church is something that we need to understand what it is. And we need to maybe redefine how we have thought about it. Because oftentimes we, we say, well, that's the way I was raised. That's the way I thought. And maybe the way you were raised or maybe the way you were taught or even that you thought was wrong. And you've got to go, God, I want you to teach me what you say about the church. And there's some people that have given up on church. And I understand that. There's, there's times whenever you get wounded, you get hurt. I can remember years ago, we were meeting at the, uh, the other campus there in, uh, in Millbrook. And uh, I had a guy walk in one day and... And I said, hey, man, it's good to, good to meet you. I said, I'm Mike, you know, and I was kind of introducing myself. And he said, you know, it's the first time I've been to church in 17 years. And I was like, why is that? He said, I got hurt at the last church. And I said, so for 17 years, you haven't gone at all? He goes, nope, not at all. And I said, man, I hate that. I said, because uh, you've missed out on a lot of blessings. I said, and the church has missed out on the blessings that you're going to bring to the table. And so I'm just telling you, you know, we need each other. And when we get wounded, we get hurt, and we can get wounded, we get hurt anywhere. You can get, that can happen in a bar as well, you know what I'm saying? And so what we do is we just say, well, I'm done with the church. But if you're done with the church, you're done with something that's very dear to the heart of God. And if you really love God and you really love Jesus, then you have to really love the church. And so, so the church is a, it's like I said, it's an assembly or called out one. So that would be us who have assembled for the, for the opportunity to worship in truth and in spirit. And those uh, that are called out, that have been set apart, that we have literally uh, the spirit of the living God living within us. So the church is the body of Christ. So when we talk about the body of Christ, we are the hands and feet of Jesus, right? He's the head, but he's the one that determines and tells us what to do. So hopefully, even whenever I teach, I am led by God's spirit, that Jesus is telling me what to say. The first thing, like I woke up this morning at five o'clock and I'm asking, going, God, what do you want to say to your people? It's his church. God, what do you want to speak through me? God, how do you want to use me today? And so God, that's, that's my prayer. I just pray that every Sunday, you know, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say to your people? Because this is his church. So the church is the body of Christ. We need to know that. And so the universal big C church, we often hear people talk about this, consists of everyone everywhere who has, has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by faith. And so that could be anywhere. There's people in, in Zimbabwe today that they're believers, they're followers of Christ. We're all part of the one church. There are people in Russia, there are people in Ukraine, there are people all over the world and they have put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and they claim him as Lord. They have surrendered their life to him. Their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And so we are all part of the body of Christ, which is the big C church, right? And so that's, that's all. We need to know that, that there's the church, man, it is not tied to a building or walls or even to one country. But the church, man, is international, it's global, it goes everywhere. And so even today, and my prayer is always that, man, that somewhere the gospel is being presented that someone will put their faith in Christ and the kingdom of God will expand and the church, the big C church will continue to grow. And so that ought to be every believer's prayer. That, man, we're praying that someone somewhere is presenting the good news and some lost person is gonna hear the gospel and respond by faith. And so every, every believer should pray for that. And so that, that's what we talk about when we say the big C church, it's the global church, if you will. And then local churches are gatherings of people who claim the name of Christ. Now, here, let me just be clear about this. Local churches are gatherings of people who claim the name of Christ. So that could be around here, we would say there's local churches. And most of us that are believers know that there's plenty of churches that are full of people that are not believers. And you, you might go, all right, I'm getting confused, Mike. So I don't want you to be confused. And so look at what it says. So it's, it's gatherings of people who claim 
the name of Christ. And so there are people that go to church and a lot of them, this is a sad thing, a lot of them believe they're saved. I think back to Apostle Paul who thought he was doing the right thing by putting down this teaching called the way, right? He thought he was doing God's will by protecting what he thought was right. And man, he was, he was just misled. But he had an encounter with Jesus and it changed everything. You know, and, and so, so the thing is, is, you know, I've even heard Billy Graham say in the past that there could be as many as 80% of the people that sit in churches are lost. They don't know, really know Christ. They're religious. They're religious. I mean, they know things about the Bible. They know religion, but they don't have a relationship with God through his son, uh, Jesus Christ. And, and so, so local churches are what we would call these gatherings. Like Journey Church is a local expression of the body of Christ. We're a local church. We're a local expression of the body of Christ. There are other churches all around us that they, they adhere to the teachings of Jesus. And they believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, and I tell people all the time, you know, if, you know, if God is not leading you to be a part of Journey Church, there's plenty of other great churches around here. You know, and man, I would recommend some in a heartbeat. And there's some, I would say, dude, I would not go to that. That's false teaching. That is probably occult teaching. And I'll just be straight up with you. God's word makes it clear. That's what they are. And so you need to know God's word. And so it, the, you need to go to church where the Bible is being taught, where the word of God is being taught. And so I believe that every one of us need to be a part of a local expression of the body of Christ because there's things we need. And we're going to unpack that a little bit today. And so here's Ephesians 1. I love this passage here. It says, I pr- this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus there. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So Paul said, man, I'm, I'm praying that your, your heart's gonna be filled with light today. So my prayer, I'm praying in agreement with Paul that your heart and my heart is gonna be filled with light today. Then we'll go, man, you know, God loves us. And man, you know, I, I wanna understand the word of God. I wanna understand the church, the body of Christ. I wanna understand that. So we're praying for that. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. See, oftentimes I think that our the way we look at God is God can't do certain things. But Paul is saying, man, God can do all things. Man, he can change your heart. He can, I, I think back to Pastor uh, uh, Dwayne Rembert last week. Man, wasn't he awesome, man? I love Pastor Dwayne, man. Man, you can clap it up for him. I love that guy. But he's a changed life. You know, he's a changed life. I, I, I remember him sitting there talking about, you know, sitting in a light and saying, hey, listen, you know, I would have been the one that had the rap music going and my pants hanging down. Now, everything that, you know, some people would go, man, he, you know, that guy's just trouble. But God can change that guy. He can change anybody. He changed Paul, right? He can change you. He can change me. And so God has this power to change a soul, to change a life forever. And we got to believe in a God that has that kind of power. That's what Paul is saying. Man, I'm praying that you will understand that. He said, man, I'm praying that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. There's power at work in us. There's, we talked about it. There's resurrection power inside of us. And we've got to be, we've got to be willing to say, God, I want to understand all I can about that power so that I walk in authority. And not, I don't walk around defeated and beat down and depressed, but I'm filled with joy and I choose to be thankful. I'm, and I'm walking around excited about who I am in Christ. And I'm excited about being a part of the body of Christ. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And so Paul said, I mean, I want you to understand that. And every believer in this room, everybody watching, we ought to be going, you know, God, I want to understand your power more and more day by day. Where I'm not, I don't have just enough Jesus to kind of get by and I don't have just enough Jesus to tell everybody I'm a Christian, but man, I'm just overwhelmed every day by your power and your authority and by your love and your, 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 your compassion for me and your mercy that you show. And so that we're, there's a hunger there. It says, now he is far above any ruler, authority or power or leader or anything else. 
Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. He said, hey, listen, man, there's nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like the God that we serve. There's nobody that comes close. He says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and he has made him head over all things for the benefit of what? The church. And so Jesus, he has to be our focus. He has to be the focus of everything that we do. Our, our teaching, everything that we do, that we, we want to point people towards Jesus. And everything that, look at this, everything that has been put under the authority of Christ is for the benefit of the church. And that's Big C Church. And that's every believer that has put their faith in Christ. That is the body of Christ. And so all of that has been put into, into play and to benefit for us, the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by what? By Jesus, by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. And so here's the thing, the, the very presence of God, the very power of God fills the church. The church should be a place of power. It's not just a place of gathering and getting together and just kind of socializing, but it should be a place of power where, man, when we walk in, we feel God's presence. You know, I, I said this last week, man, you could feel the spirit of God in this place last week. And I believe it today. I believe that the power of God is here. I believe that God is working on hearts. I believe that God is drawing some of you closer and closer and he wanting to breathe his life into you. Now, you know, I, I prayed this morning for the lost person to walk through the door this morning. We, we pray for it as a prayer team. God, that you would draw the lost here, that they would want to be here because they believe there's a message of hope here. And we believe that there's power to save in Jesus Christ. And so we want to proclaim that. And, and the church ought to be doing that everywhere we go. We believe we have been filled with this power. And so therefore, everywhere that the church goes, man, we are literally sharing the hope of the world. We're sharing good news. We're sharing the gospel, Right. And so that's what the church is to be about. So I'm thankful the church is not a building, aren't you? Because if, if it was too big, people say, well, I don't want to go there. If it's too small, I don't want to go there. You know, if a storm comes through and takes it out, you know, we go, you know, the church is no more. No, the church is not a building. And I'm thankful for that. You know, you know buildings, you know, they're nothing but tools. I tell people this all the time. Don't, don't make this too sacred, this building here. Because this church could gather in a field today and it would be just as powerful and just as spirit-filled as anything ever. It doesn't have to have this building, right? And, and so the church, I'm thankful that the church is not a building. Look at what it says here. So this is Jesus with the woman at the well. I love this, this whole scenario here. You know, she man, has been living a, a, a very corrupt life and she has an encounter with Jesus. And even the disciples, whenever they get back, they're like, what is Jesus doing talking to her? You know, th this is woman at the well. He, and she says, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you, are, you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And so Jesus is telling, hey, listen, there's a time coming when it's gonna be a little bit different. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are, for they are, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And see, whenever we talk about worshiping in this room, when we worshiping together in truth and in spirit, we're, we're referring to this passage right here. Where Jesus is saying, hey, listen, there's going to be a time when it's not about a building and it's not about going to a certain city. 
It's about gathering as the body of Christ and worshiping in truth and spirit. And I, here's the thing. I don't have to have everybody with me to be able to worship, but I cannot corporately worship as the church, not the way that God intends whenever I am by myself. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, I can, I can worship on the bow of my boat or I can worship wherever, you know, in a tree stand or whatever. And I'm just telling you, you can worship. Don't misunderstand that. But you cannot corporately worship and you cannot encourage others and you cannot build them up and you cannot fulfill some of the things that God says that you are to do as the church if you always make it just about you and not about others. Because the church is designed to minister to one another and to encourage one another. And so, so Jesus is making it clear, man, there's gonna be a time it's gonna be different. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that, that, I know that Messiah. She'd go, hey, I know that guy, that Messiah called, Jesus, called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Can you imagine this statement that Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I mean, she's asking these questions. And she goes, hey, I know that Messiah. I mean, here's a woman that was corrupt and living in sin. But man, she knew that there was a Messiah coming. She did better than a lot of the religious leaders did. The religious leaders didn't believe he had showed up yet, right? That they were talking about a Messiah, but she says the, the Christ, the Messiah, he's gonna explain everything. And, and, and literally Jesus says, hey, I'm him. And it radically changed her life. And every, as she went home, as she began to tell everyone what this man had told her, right? And began to tell everybody what Jesus knew about her. And, and so it was, it was incredible to see how she has this encounter. And then in 1 Corinthians, it says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. To all these different parts in this room and all those that are watching online, we're all just parts of the body of Christ. And God, has, he's assembled all these parts for different reasons. You know, he's brought us together. Some of you guys have incredible gifts and abilities. You know, and God wants to use you to help build up the body of Christ, to help increase, if you will, the big C church. He wants to see the kingdom of God expanded. And so by how you use your gifts and how you use your gifts to help minister to the church and help build up the church and help minister to those that are on the outside looking in, you know, we, we get to literally use our gifts to, to glorify God, to help build up the church and also minister to the needs of those around us. And ministry is meeting the needs of others with love. That's what ministry means. And so some of you guys, well, I, Mike, I'm not in the ministry. Yes, you are if you're a believer. You're called to minister to the people around you. You're called to meet their needs with love. And so it is with the body of Christ. It says some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into the one body, one, one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. And so everybody that's in this room that has put their faith in Christ, men, they've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. They have the spirit of the living God living within them. And so like whenever Dwayne and I talk about a kindred spirit, it's because he and I share that same Holy Spirit that is in me is in him, right? And we're brothers in Christ. And so for, for those in this room, those of you who have put your faith in Christ, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit of God living within you. And you gotta know, you know what, hey man, we're part, we're part of the same body. We're together, we're, we're all one. I talked about being baptized. You know, we just saw pictures of people being baptized and maybe you put your faith in Christ. Man, you need to follow Christ in believers' baptism by going public with that. You know, you're, you're letting everybody know, man, hey, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. I'm a new creation. I've been changed. Baptized in the name of the Father, what? The Son, the Holy Spirit. Baptized in all that. And man, I, I'm theirs and they're in me. That's what we're going public with. And so if you've never gone public with your baptism, your water baptism, you need to take that step. We'll be doing that on, at Celebrate the Miracles. We would love for you to be a part of that. You can take a card and fill it out. We'll get with you this week. 
and we'll follow up on that. Or either just come up here to the church and say, hey, listen, I need to get baptized. Let me tell you what was cool. A couple of weeks ago, we had a lady that came through and, um, she, and she talked to Pastor Nate. She was 82, 83 years old. And uh, she said, hey, listen, she goes, I, I've never been baptized by immersion. She goes, I've been reading the scriptures and I really want to be baptized by immersion. And so she went to a couple of churches and they, they wouldn't let her. And, and uh, so Nate called me and said, yeah, we'll baptize her. I said, if she's put her faith in Christ and she has put, put all of her faith and surrender her life to him, yes, we will baptize her. So we had a little special thing. We actually took some chairs and we set them up on the stage here because there was only a handful of us. It was during the week. And we baptized her in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And, and she wanted to be obedient to God's word. And she said, hey, listen, I'm at the end of my life and I just want to line up with God's word. And I'm thinking, how, how cool would it be if we said, hey, I'm at the beginning of my life and I want to line up with God's word. That's what we ought to do. And so I'm just telling you, man, go public with your baptism. Go public, let people know. We will celebrate, I promise you. All of heaven celebrates when one prays to receive Christ and we as the church get to celebrate whenever you go public. And so it's part of what we do. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. I love this. So Jesus is before Pilate. And Pilate's asking, he goes, are you a king? You know, and if you've ever watched any of the, the, the videos or the movies that kind of depict this whole scene, it's kind of a powerful scene. And so he's literally before Pilate, but he's, it's like a, a lamb before his shears. He's silent. And so Pilate's trying to find, hey, dude, what's going on? Are you a king? What's going on? He's asking all these questions. And so Jesus said, my kingdom it's not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. I love that. Do you say, listen, it's not about this place here. It's not about, you know, it's about, I've got something better than that. It's, it's bigger than these buildings. It's bigger than these buildings. The church is made up of God's people. The church is made up of God's people. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you know, my father has given me those who believe in me. And he said, hey, they're my family. They're my, they're my followers. They're my disciples. And, and so the church is made up of God's people. Look at this passage here, or look at this statement here. It says, burn the church building down and the believers still comprise the church. Don't you love that? A building can be burned to the ground. And there was a time I grew up in, in Mobile, Alabama, in a little, a little area called Eight Mile. And uh, there, was a, there was a thing going around where churches were getting burned down left and right. And uh, they ended up finally catching a guy. It was actually a police officer that was doing it. And so the church that I attended, you know, they, they burnt, he burned down a part of that building. And I, so I remember that it was vivid, you know, and I remember us all showing up to find it, you know, the, the building, nothing but ashes. And so the thing is, is that building got burned down, but you know what? The church was still what? There. The church is not a building. And, and so it's one of those things we we're able to be reminded of that. And so I'm thankful the church isn't for perfect people, aren't you? Man, I, I mean, I'm as broken and jacked up as anybody. I tell people that all the time. I say, you know, I feel like I'm the chief among sinners. Now, I know Paul said that, but I feel like he stole that from me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so there's so many times I'll, I'll be going, you know, how can I even think like that as a pastor, as a Christian? You know, people can push your buttons, right? Did anybody ever push y'all's buttons? Yeah, I thought they did. And so the thing is, is we're, we're broken people. We're in need of a savior. And, and so I love the fact that the church, and I'm thankful for this, the church is not for perfect people or I wouldn't get in. I wouldn't make it because it's not, it's not, but it's not based on what I bring to the table. It's based on what Jesus brings to the table. See, you know, I, I come broken. I come as a sinner. I come needy. And thing is, as all of us do. 
And so Jesus is the one that applies his righteousness to my life. Whenever we sang about the blood a while ago, the blood of Christ, the, the perfect lamb, washes away the sins of the world. He is the reason that I'm accepted. He's the only reason that I'm accepted. He's the only reason that I'm a part of the church is because of what he did and because of who he is. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I, I may be born you know, into this world. I may be a creation of God, but really I didn't have anything to offer that would say, God, you, know, you need to pick me. You need to choose me. But what he did is he said, Mike, I love you. And here's the thing. He loves every one of us. And he said, I'm going to provide a way for you to be made right with me. And it was through his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross. And so I'm thankful the church isn't for perfect people or none of us would ever get in. Romans 3, look at it, it says, for we are made right with God by placing our faith in who? In Jesus Christ, that's the only way. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, no matter what the background is, no matter what your, you know, your, your bank account looks like, it doesn't matter. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We've all missed it. We, you know, you might think, well, you know, I've never killed anybody. It's all right. You still lied. You still cheated. You still, you know, lusted after somebody. You still done something that has disqualified you. We've all fallen short. And so that's the thing I love about it. You know, it's for broken people, sinful people. That's what the church is. It's not a place for perfect people. It's a place for forgiven people, right? That's what the church is. It's a place of forgiven people. You know, and you might think, well, you know, I know some of those people down there and I know they don't live like Christians. You know, but the thing is, is they may not, but they may be looking at you and thinking that you don't either. And so that's why, you know, that's not the standard. I can't look around at the people around me and go, all right, they're the standard because their standards all down, up, down, everywhere. You know, there's some people I'm like, hey, I'm a little bit better than they are. I'm a little bit less, but you know, I'm not as good as they are, but they're not the standard. Jesus is the standard, right? And so when we look at our life, we go, am I like Christ? Am I like Christ? Am I more like Jesus? That's, that's the standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. We've been freed. We ought to be, we ought to be walking in freedom, man, and worshiping in freedom and celebrating in freedom, right? And, and, and living in freedom instead of a bondage or frustration or aggravation or, you know, or, or just whining and complaining and so on. You know, God, I want to be thankful and grateful and choosing those things, right? For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And so I love, I love that whole passage, right? That whole section there is, is reminding us, you know, none of us, are, none of us are qualified apart from Jesus. I'm thankful the church is a place of healing, aren't you? Can be. It can be a place of healing. It can be a place of wounds but it's supposed to be a place of healing and that's God's desire. And, and maybe you're here today and maybe you feel like you need healing and you might think, well, you know, Mike, how, how do you get healed? And I know looking around this room with this many people and this many people watching online, I know that there are people that are broken, you know, so they need emotional healing. There are people that are struggling. They need financial healing because the money is in the wrong place in their priorities and everything. There are people that need physical healing. They need a physical touch or battling cancer or maybe they're battling, you know, something else. But we, we've got all those things. They need relational healing. You know, their relationships are strained. They keep covering them up. They keep kind of acting like, or they, they, they ignore certain people. They avoid certain people. They have not really dealt with the deeper issues. And so they act like everything's okay. But you know, and I know, you know what? You really, we're, we're hurt and we're wounded inside and we need to heal 
from those wounds. And so I'm, I'm thankful that the church is a place of healing. In James, it says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have, have committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And so the thing is, is, you know, we, don't, we have a high priest that we can go to in Jesus. But God's word also tells us that we, sometimes we need to confess our sins to those around us that we can trust. Does that mean I just need to confess this sin in my life? And God will begin a healing process in that. And it may be that you have to go to a family member or a friend or someone and say, listen, I need to confess to you some sin in my life that I've been holding on and I've had a grudge against you or I've had an issue against you and, and I want to ask you to forgive me. And that's a tough thing to do. But there are times that we have sinned against that person and we have sinned against the Holy God and we just kind of keep holding it in. We keep hiding it. We think, well, you know, if I, if I just don't let anybody know about it, then you know what? It'll go away and it will not go away. God's word says that we have to confess that sin. We confess it and what we're doing is we're agreeing with God that that is sin in our life. And then we repent of that sin and we say, you know what? I'm gonna turn away. But sometimes we have to confess that to someone and say, listen, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. Will you forgive me? And you know what happens? Healing begins. And so we've got to be willing to do that. Hebrews, I love this passage. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And so the church needs to be able to gather together. It needs to be a place where, you know, we're, we're encouraged and we're, and we're challenged, you know, spurring one another on. You know, if you know what a spur is on a, on a cowboy's boot, you know, it's, it's a kind of a sharp pointy thing that he's, he kind of spurs the horse or, you know, whatever to kind of get it to move. And sometimes there are people in our lives that we need to feel like we need to stick them with a sharp thing. You know what I'm saying? And we need to get them to move. Sometimes it's the church to spur one another on, to challenge, to push. Let's, hey, let's go. We got stuff to do. We got work to do, right? And we've got to be willing to get after that. But it says on towards love and good deeds to do the right things. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Man, sometimes, sometimes just encouragement is healing. You know, you're, you're beat down. You know, the enemy has had his way. He has wore you out. And you need just someone to encourage you, to speak life over you, to tell you, hey, listen, God's not done with you. The God, is, God has got you. He knows what you're dealing with. And you've got to be willing to just lay those down, lay them down at an altar. You got to be willing to lay them down. And so I love the fact that this, this passage tells us to not give up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But all the more, man, let's get together. And so thank you guys for being here today. Thank you all for joining us online, you know, and gathering together. And so hopefully you've been encouraged. Uh, hopefully there's been a scripture that has been read today that has spoke to you, that has kind of maybe encouraged you. Maybe one that has even challenged you. Maybe one that spurred you, kind of stuck you like a sticker. You know what I'm saying? You go, ooh, yeah, I needed to hear that. There's been times I feel like God sticks me with a dagger. I'm like, okay, God, I get it. You got me. You got me, right? And sometimes we need that. So I'm thankful the church is so dear to the heart of Jesus. Aren't, aren't you excited about that? That we're the church, we're the bride of Christ. Man, that Jesus gets excited about us. He loves us so much. He's crazy about us. He, he loves you. He's crazy about you. I mean, I'm thankful for those things. I'm thankful that the church is so dear to the heart. When we read it, you know, I do marriage counseling. I always have couples read Ephesians chapter five. And Ephesians, Ephesians chapter five is talking about spirit-guided relationships. 
and how, how do we apply that, that text to our life? And, and one of the ways is we, we, we look at it and we talk about it and, uh, and we want them to understand, you know, that, man, that Jesus had a, a, a dying love, man. He was willing to give everything. It says for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did it to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So next steps, I would encourage you to pray for the church. So right now you just begin to pray, you know, God, I want you to move in this building. I'm I'm asking you to pray outside of you right now. Don't, don't, Don't focus on you for a second. Just say, God, I want you to move in this church. God, I want you to move in the hearts. God, I pray that there's somebody, join me right now. I want you to pray, God, if there's somebody here that does not know you personally, does not have a relationship with you, God, I want to pray that they would be saved. Just in your heart of hearts, go, God, I'm praying for the lost to be saved right now. Maybe there's somebody watching online right now. Let's pray for them. Say, God, there's somebody, maybe they can't be here. God, I'm praying for healing in their life. God, I'm praying for, I'm praying for you to tear down the walls that are keeping them from being here. God, maybe they just need physical healing. Maybe they just need encouragement. God, I'm praying for you to show us how to encourage them. And so pray for the church, right? And so right now, I want you to pray for the church. I want you to pray that the, the church would not limit itself to these walls. That we would, we would literally want to walk, through the, walk out of these doors. I mean, we would want to be the church wherever we go. And so pray for the church. And so that's, a, that's one thing we can do. Here's another thing. We can join a local church family. You know, and if it's not journey, I'm okay with that as long as it's a Bible teaching, Bible believing church that is evangelistic, that believes in the gospel, that believes that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. There's plenty of great churches. But but join one. Don't just kind of, hey, I'm just going to kind of skirt in. I'm just going to kind of sit on the, you know, the back row here or, you know, wherever. And I'm just going to kind of hope that uh, they don't notice me here. No, get involved. Become part of the family. Commit. You know, I mean, that's what this, this whole culture is in right now. It's like, hey, we really don't want to commit to anything. Jesus committed to you. I mean, he left heaven and he went to a cross for you. You know what I'm saying? He was committed to you. He laid down his life and he let him drive stakes through his hands and, and his feet. He was committed to you to the point that he was willing to bleed out his precious blood to pay for your sins. So why not be committed to the church? I mean, find one that you love. Find, find one that you say, you know what? This is where I'm supposed to be. And men say, hey, listen, let's go. Commit. Jesus was committed to you. Be committed. So find a local church family and join it. And here's the last one. Be the church wherever you go. Like today, when you leave here, go be the church. Be a messenger of the gospel. Be a, be a servant to those around you. You know, ask God to, to change your heart like, like he changed Paul's. And that wherever you go, man, you want to literally influence and, and tell people about Jesus. You want to just be thankful. You're going to choose to be grateful. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and maybe, maybe you're here today and maybe you're that lost soul. Maybe you're watching online. You're that one we've been praying for. I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Christ and just say, Jesus, I come to you right now and I confess to you that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I need you. I need true healing. And so, Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you be the leader, the Lord of my life? I surrender my life to you, Jesus. That's my prayer. And his answer is yes. 
Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living and I want to live for you. That's repentance. And so if you will confess your sins to him, he is faithful and just and will forgive your sin. He will, he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And if we repent and turn to him, we begin to follow his teachings. Literally, he changes our life. And so maybe that was you. Maybe you just prayed that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer to receive Christ, man, if you don't mind, I'd love for you to let me know just by raising your hand. Say, Mike, I just, I just prayed with you. I just prayed that prayer to receive Jesus. Anybody in the room? I see your hand right here. I see your hand right there. Anybody else? Anybody else? You were prayed for today. You were prayed for by the church. And now, by you accepting Christ, if you just raise your hand, look up here. Then you become a part of the family of God. Welcome home. That's what that means. So the church is praying for you, but Jesus bought you and he purchased you. Welcome to the family of God. Church, that's what it's about. It's about the good news. It's about the gospel. It's about living it out. It's about taking it wherever we go. In just a few minutes, we'll share in communion. Let me just say this. Communion is for the believer. It's not for the unbeliever. This young lady over here who just prayed to receive Christ today, she gets to share in communion. For the first time, she understands what Jesus did on the cross. And for many of us, hopefully you know what that means. And so this is a time to be thankful. We give thanks. It's a time of remembrance, remembering what Jesus did. And so in just a few minutes, I want to encourage you to, number one, to be ready for that. The worship team is fixing to sing a song. I want to give you an opportunity to get your heart right. The Bible says not to approach this table in an inappropriate way or, you know, kind of just kind of flippantly. But to make sure that your heart's right. Ask God to search your heart. If there's anything you need to confess, any sin that you need to uh, lay down, confess, let go of, do that before you partake in communion. And so the altar will be open. The prayer team will be here. They'll pray with you. But you got to trust him. You got to trust him to heal you. But you got to trust him to let go too of whatever's holding you back. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this young lady who raised her hand for salvation. God, I thank you that she has answered prayer. God, you are committed to her. You are committed to all of us. Father, help us to be committed as the church, as the body of Christ. Father, that we will not let anything hold us back from being the influence that you want us to be, that we will literally go out and make a difference in this community. And God, we'll take that to the ends of the earth. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for redeeming us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask everybody just to stand all across the room. You respond as the Holy Spirit leads. Prepare your heart for communion. Prayer team will be here at the front. You can come to the altar. You can get on your knees where you're at. Worship team's going to lead us.